Valentine's Day, so we're going to be taking a little bit of a break from Moses to talk about a Valentine's Day theme of love. And specifically, we're going to be talking about God's love and how it relates to us and our faith and how it helps us relate to other people. Because I was thinking about what direction I wanted to take this message in, and there's a few different directions that I was thinking of. And rather than just picking one or two of them, I realized that there were three different directions I was thinking of, and three points makes a great sermon. So instead of just picking one or two, we're going to be talking about uh, all three of the different things that I I've felt like I wanted to talk about when it comes to God's love. And so the first thing that I want to talk about is that you, the person listening to this right now, you are loved by God. And you're loved by Him always. See, that's one of the most wonderful things about the God that we serve, is that God loves us. And there is nothing in this world, nothing that we have ever done, nothing from our past, or even nothing that we struggle with in the present, that can separate us from that love of God. In fact, Scripture itself even talks about that. In Romans chapter 8, it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And what a wonderful promise that is for all of us, that there's nothing that can separate us from God's love. Nothing at all. Now you might think, well, hold on a second, Pastor Zach. What about sin? Isn't sin the great separator between us and God? And although, yes, sin does separate us from the presence of God, and it separates us from his perfect will for our life, not even sin separates us from the love of God. Because God still loves us even when we sin. In fact, Scripture also says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so not even sin can separate us from God. And a lot of the things listed in this passage aren't things that we would think nowadays would separate us from God. No height nor depth. When we're thinking about things that would separate us from the love of God, we're usually not thinking about altitude. Usually it's about other things in our life that we're wrestling with. But as I look at how this passage says that there are no powers or anything in creation that can separate us from God. We're able to add a lot more things to this list. And just for fun, I thought about many different things that it would be easy for us to think, well, this thing will keep me from the love of God. So I made a little bit of a list and uh, put it together in the same tone as this passage of Scripture. So I want to read it to you. We'll call this uh, the Book of Zacchaeans, chapter 7, verse 3 through 5. Um, but it's not actually in Scripture anywhere. This is just my edition. I have discovered that no bad attitude 
nor short temper. No bitter heart filled with resentment, stubbornness, and loneliness. No broken relationship, nor dysfunctional family. No depression, suicidal thought, nor even apathy. Not even a virus or vaccine or political affiliation. Not a person's body weight, nor physical ailments and frailties. Nor can exhaustion, nor even complete burnout. Not one of these things, nor anything else we struggle with, disqualifies us from the love of God. There's nothing. Nothing that makes us unlovable by God. He loves us no matter what. And it is one of the tools of the enemy to make us believe that we are unlovable. That nobody loves us and nobody can love us. But the truth is that God loves you always. It doesn't mean he always approves of everything you do. But he always loves you. And so we should never look at ourselves as someone who is disqualified from God's love. Nor should we disqualify others. Because there is nothing that separates us from the love of God. And what a wonderful thing that is. But that's just the first step in this process. Just because God does love us doesn't mean that we are accepting of his love for us. In fact, that's really the issue with anyone who is not a believer, is that they reject the love that God has for him. And we, as I assume most of you out there, are followers of Christ along with me. We want to accept that love that God has for us. And the question then becomes... Well, how do we accept that love of God? What does that look like? Well, the way that we accept God's love is through building a relationship with him. And I talked a little bit about that last week, about the importance of having a personal relationship with God, that we aren't just imitators of Christ, but followers of him as well, that we have this real personal relationship with him, which is entirely possible. And it wasn't always that case. It used to be back in the Old Testament that God would only speak to prophets. But after the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the curtain in the temples that separated the presence of God from the rest of the world was torn in two completely from top to bottom, signifying about how God's presence is within each and every one of us. And he wants us to accept that love he has for us, accept his presence in his, into our life, and build our relationship with him. So how do we do that? How do we accept that love? How do we build that relationship with him? Well, let's turn once again to scripture. If we go to John chapter 15, in verses 9 and 10, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. 
And then also in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will keep your paths straight. So in both of these passages, they're talking about keeping God's commands and submitting to him. And that as we do that, we will then remain in his love. And this is really the foundation of our relationship with God. It begins with submission to him, with obedience, to recognize that God is God and you are not. His plans are greater than your plans. His thoughts are greater than your thoughts. But that he wants to not keep his plans and thoughts to himself. He doesn't call us his servants. He calls us his friends and wants to share those things with us through our relationship. But again, we have to be willing to submit to his plans, to accept the love that he has for us. And he gives us free will to decide whether or not we are going to do that, whether or not we will remain in his love. And just because we sin and we make mistakes and sometimes we do reject God's plan for our life doesn't mean that that love that he wants us to remain in then becomes unavailable to us. It's simply us choosing not to accept all that he has given to us to help us prosper. You can own a beautiful piece of property, big house, fresh green grass, all kinds of wonderful beauty. And it all belongs to you. And let's say you put that property in the middle of just a wasteland, an arid desert. Nothing is there. You have every right to leave that property and go out into that wasteland and to live there doesn't mean that that beautiful property no longer belongs to you, simply that you've chosen not to remain in it. See, God's love for us is always there. He wants to have that relationship with us. He calls us into his arms, into his teachings, so that we can prosper. We simply choose whether or not we are going to live there. We choose whether or not to remain in God's love, whether or not we'll submit ourselves to that area that he has fenced off for us to be in. Not because he's trying to keep us from greater and better things, he's trying to keep us from the wasteland. And it's a place that he has given to us really without any gate, any fence, anything that prevents us from leaving. Because he wants us to make the choice. The choice to recognize that what he has prepared for us is far greater than anything that the world offers. So are we going to go to him? Are we going to walk in relationship with him? Or are we going to follow the desires of our heart that are often wicked and sinful? 
we submit to him, accept his love, and remain in that love. And then when we do that, when we do choose to remain in God's love, there's something that happens as an unconscious, immediate result from that, which is that that love that we've received from God then spreads out from us into the lives of other people. In fact, it really is impossible to love God and be in relationship with God and to not have that love spill out into your relationships with other people as well. We read about that in 1 John, my favorite book of the Bible, chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. It says, Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This passage connects the ideas of being loved by God and loving God in return, connects those themes with loving other people as well. And it truly is amazing the kind of love that God displays. Again, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, that he showed us that love even when we didn't love him back. God still loved us. And if we go back to the last point that I made about remaining in God's love, remember, that's remaining in God's love, not your love. Our love for other people is... it's limited. <laughs> we, we are really bad at unconditional love. But God isn't. God's love is unconditional. And God calls us not to remain in our love, but to remain in his love. And if we do that, that means that we will love other people the same way that God loved us. And the way that God loved us was that he loved us first. So if God loved us first, then we should love other people first as well. And that idea of loving others first, really it addresses the attitude that we have towards the general public, about people in general, about strangers, just everyone around us. What is our attitude when it comes to people? And I know that more often than not, our attitude about people in general is not great. I know because I see all of the bumper stickers on people's cars. So many of them talk about how much people suck, and the more people I meet, the more I like my animal, and boy, the world would be great if it wasn't for people, and oh no, there's people out here, I don't want to be here. It's, it's really permeated our culture, this attitude 
of not liking people. And that attitude does not come from God. It is a very humanistic, worldly way of viewing people. As something that is terrible, something that is annoying, something that gets in the way of me wanting to do what I want to do. Boy, the whole world would be so much greater if we could just get rid of all the people. Customer service would be wonderful if it wasn't for the people. Just so many things that we say on a regular basis. Bad-mouthing people. Newsflash. We're people. Yet somehow we have grown this attitude that people get in our way and that life would be so much better without them. And that is not God's view of people. God loved all the world. God loves all the world. He loved us so much he sent his son to die for us. He loved us even when we didn't love him, and he calls us to remain in his love. His love for others. And the only way we can do that is if we stop viewing people as obstacles in our life and begin to view them the way that God does as the mission of his kingdom. Because God longs for all the world that not a single one should perish, but all would come to him. All would come to the knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Is that how you view people? Is that how you view others? Or have you fallen into the trap mentality that the whole world would be a lot better without people? I'm, glad, I'm so glad that God doesn't have that attitude with me or with any of us, but instead that God loves us always. Do we love others always? Again, doesn't mean you always agree with them. I'm so glad you don't have to agree with everyone because first off, that's impossible. And second, usually I don't. But that doesn't mean that I don't love them. It doesn't mean that I see them as an obstacle. Because that's not how God saw me. And even when I was somebody that me now, I wouldn't love me then. Not even I would love me. But God still did. Remain in God's love. And as we make that choice to submit to God's will and to remain in his love, as we make that choice to remain in that love that is always available to us, it will begin to flow out of us and into the lives of each and every person we come across. It's not our love it's God's love. It's God's love for us. 
It's God's love that we choose to remain in, that does a work in us. And it's the kind of love that God wants to work through us as well. Nothing in all of this earth compares to that love. And that is what God calls us to. So, that has been another Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page, or you can email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And as always, I encourage you to share this with other people to help get the message out there. But until next time, thank you for taking the time to listen. I pray that God blesses you as you go throughout your day, and I hope that you have a wonderful Valentine's Day. Thank you.